Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 216 of the Leading Learning Podcast, where we talk with John Stepper. John is the author of Working Out Loud for a Better Career and Life, and his name is largely synonymous with the concept of working out loud. Salisa, what do you and John talk about? Well, surprise, surprise, we focus on working out loud and on many of the aspects of that concept that he talks about in his excellent books. Things like the five basic elements of working out loud, common barriers and pitfalls to working out loud, what tends to set the stage for successfully working out loud, and ways to structure the working out loud experience through working out loud circles. You know, John describes himself as an accidental entrepreneur, and I know I can identify with the accidental adjective, and perhaps listeners can too, as it seems it's often a circuitous path that leads one to work in a learning business. And in his current entrepreneurial role, he works with organizations looking to foster a more effective, more collaborative, more human culture. And he helps customize the many wonderful resources for working out loud circles that are freely available in their more universal form at workingoutloud.com. Well, I'm definitely a fan of working out loud, and I know from personal experience how it can contribute to powerful learning uh, by, among other things, spurring reflection. So, Salisa, what reflection questions will listeners find in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 216? Are there working out loud elements or techniques that might help you activate your learner's intrinsic motivation? How might you make your educational offerings feel more like an invitation than an imposition, both at that point of enrollment or purchase and throughout the learning experience? Well, intrinsic motivation is so important if real learning and real change are to happen. So that's a great thing to be thinking about as we roll this conversation with John Stepper. And welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. I'm Salisa Steele, and today my conversation partner is John Stepper. John is the author of Working Out Loud for a Better Career and Life, and he's a working out loud convert and evangelist, and he's really committed to helping organizations create a more open, collaborative culture and to helping individuals access a better career and life. John, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Well, thank you, Salisa. Good morning. So, you know, obviously I gave a very b- brief background on, on you there. What else would you like listeners to know as, as background for our conversation? Uh, I think it's, 
is that I am an accidental entrepreneur, so to speak, because I've, I've worked in big companies my whole life, uh, 30 years. And over those 30 years, I, I saw um, some good things about what global big companies have to offer, but also some not so good things uh, that made people enjoy it less, that I kind of made it much less productive than it might have been. And that's what led me to search for a better way that ultimately became Working Out Loud and my own business. Well, great. And so, you know, Working Out Loud is a big part of what you do, the main focus of what you do now. So let's just make sure that listeners know what that is. What is Working Out Loud? What is that pithy definition that you use for folks who are new to the concept? Well, on the, on the surface, it is a method for building relationships that could help you in some way, help you accomplish a goal, uh, help you explore a new topic or learn a skill. And to, uh, um, at a high level, it's a, it's a kind of networking, but it's networking with a twist because the method takes place in one hour a week over 12 weeks in a small group, a small peer support group of four or five people. Well, you each pick a goal in the beginning, and week by week by week, you practice different ways that you could contribute to people in your network. Not to try to get something, not to try to trick them, but just to, to deepen relationships with someone. And over the course of the 12 weeks, you will have a bigger network that gives you access to, to knowledge, experiences, learning, opportunities, most people get something more, which is in this psychologically safe space of three or four other people over those 12 weeks, what, what they're practicing is that they have something to offer. In fact, they have a lot to offer and an ability to offer it in a wide range of ways. So by the end, people will say they feel more empowered, they feel more, more optimistic, um, they have a, a better sense of control over their career or over their access to, to new possibilities. And that, it's almost this, this divergence of, on the one hand, it's a set of very, very practical skills of, I've got a goal, I want to find people, and I want to increase the chances of information exchange or collaboration. But kind of deeper down is this more fundamental shift that happens with people as they're more confident and they realize they have much more to offer than they may have thought. Well, and so working out loud, as you define it, I know it is much more than just making your work visible, more than showing your work. And you have five basic elements that you talk about of, of working out loud. Would you just share what those five basic elements are? Yeah, real quick. And, you know, when I started, it, I, was, so I was working at Deutsche Bank uh, and I thought that technology was going to be the answer. So we introduced an enterprise social network into the company. Uh, and this would allow people to make their work visible, right? which was, it was about 2010, 2011. Uh, so inside companies, there were the social internets were just starting to make their, their way. And what I saw was that wasn't nearly enough, right? That just having a tool, just having that, that technical ability wasn't nearly enough for people because they didn't know what to share or how to share or why. Uh, and so I took the liberty of broadening this definition of working out loud, not just to broadcasting your work, but to include these elements, which are, number one, relationships. Because 
we're social animals, right? So people are at the heart of working out loud. The point is that we build relationships that, yes, make us more effective or give us access, but also make us feel better. Secondly would be, well, how do we build relationships? And that's through contributions over time. Right? That's what builds trust and a sense of relatedness. And that word contributions spans from offering attention and recognition and appreciation to offering visible work. What are you doing? Why? What resources have been helpful? What, what have you learned? All of that could be made visible and framed in such a way that it's not about you, it's not about showing how awesome you are, how smart, it, that it, it might be helpful to other people. That's how it's framed. And then the last two about your approach, uh, first is we call purposeful discovery. It simply means that you have a goal in mind. So you're not just, you're not just busy. You're not just using tools and you're not just sharing uh, just for the sake of it, but it's purposeful. And that's what orients what kind of contributions you make, what kind of people you want in your network. And finally, it's a growth mindset based on the work by Carol Dweck. It's a, your approach to this is really without expectations. Right? You're, not, you're not trying to manipulate someone, get something. You're not trying to be good or bad. It, it, it's simply small gifts freely given to other people that over the course of your network will lead to a natural benefit to you. And uh, that's something that Adam Grant talks a lot about that he wrote a book, Give and Take, about. It's very much this, that's the spirit of it. Uh, you combine these five elements and it allows you to network, to build relationships with other people in such a way that feels much more human, much more natural, uh, and doesn't have any of the, the negative connotations we normally associate with uh, building a network. If you're looking to build natural human relationships with your network, you might need technology to help. For that, check out our sponsor for this quarter. Community Brands provides a suite of cloud-based software for organizations to engage and grow relationships with individuals they serve, including association management software, learning management software, job board software, and event management software. Community Brands' award-winning crowd wisdom learning platform is among the world's best LMSs for corporate extended enterprise and is a leading LMS for association-driven professional education programs. Award-winning Freestone, Community Brands' live event learning platform, is a leading platform for live learning event capture, webinars, webcasts, and on-demand streaming. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash communitybrands. And now, back to the conversation as Salisa asks John about common barriers to adopting a working out loud approach. Well, and so you, you just mentioned, you know, that it feels natural, it, it feels authentic. And, and I know you make the point that anyone can work out loud, that the skills and habits required are ones that anyone can learn. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people find working out loud easy. And so I'm curious to know, what are some of the common barriers or, or pitfalls, whether those are real or imagined, that you see that stop or slow people down in uh, deciding to adopt a working out loud approach? The, it's usually some kind of resistance in their head. Right? So they've got this image of, of uh, maybe, maybe they're afraid that other people will not like what they, what they have to say or what to offer. Um, maybe, maybe they'll do something wrong. Maybe they'll get in trouble at work. So a lot of this is 
is an internal resistance. And so over the last five years, uh, what I've done is, is keep refining these 12 weeks, keep refining this method so that people start with a very, very small step. So in the beginning, in your working out loud circle, you've got your goal, you've got a potential list of people that you'd like to deepen a relationship with. And the things you're offering are attention and appreciation. And these are, these are universal gifts, things that everyone has to offer and most everyone likes to receive in some way. And that's where you start your practice. You don't start with blog posts. You don't start with, with tweeting. You start with, with these very human gifts. Sometimes it's just in your circle, in that psychologically safe space. And over the 12 weeks, you gradually become more comfortable. Now, some people, you're right, um, there's a woman in my circle, uh, English was a second language. She had no interest in social media um, or any of blogging or anything like that. But for her... Progress was the ability to send someone an email who, who could help her with her music career. And that, to her, was sharing her work in such a way that it might be helpful to someone else using a very traditional channel. You could do that over coffee or, or other traditional mechanisms. But in the later weeks, you'll experience how to also use other tools that can further increase your chances if you want to. Throughout the 12 weeks, you have control over what you want to share, how much, and, and how you do it. And that's why people can make different progress at different rates, which is totally okay. So this is a, a question that I must confess I find um, of personal interest. But, you know, I, I know that some of the examples you've um, shared in, in your work are around people who are exploring things that aren't necessarily directly related to their job or their career. It's more of a sort of hobbyist interest. Um, and, and especially as you're talking sort of in those later weeks, like if you begin to make use of, of social media or, or more sort of uh, open uh, communications versus that just one-on-one -on -one coffee with someone, you know, you know how, how do you recommend that people sort of balance that, you know, this is definitely a, a job or career-related interest versus this is more personal, more hobbyist. I mean, do you recommend people have separate social media accounts or do you sort of say, nope, go all in, this is your one life, you know, kind of put it all in one place? Um, I, no, I don't, I, I don't recommend separate accounts. Um, but I also don't have many recommendations for how you should use social media because how you use it and how I use it and how my Japanese piano teacher uses it are wildly different, right? So there's no prescription. Uh, having said that, why, like, why is it okay for something that's called working out loud and that ultimately is, a, is becoming a training program in workplaces, why is it okay that people choose a personal goal? Mm -hmm. And it's the same reason why when I used to work in a company, we used to have offsites with the management team and we would have nice dinners and we would do team building exercises. Because the underlying point is that people in a circle are building a 21st century skill, which is that no matter what I need to do, I'm developing a skill that I can find people related to that goal and build relationships with them that increase the chances of information exchange, cooperation, and collaboration. That's, that's what we all need to do now more than ever uh, is to 
with a sense of independence, agency, agility, call it what you will, that individuals can find who and what they need inside and outside the company and then earn access to it through a set of steps. That's what we're going to allow this. Now, how you learn that skill, it doesn't, if you choose a hobby or if you choose, I'd like to know more people who do what I do, or I'd like, I'm interested in the Internet of Things, or whatever, it, the circle is just a learning vehicle. And whatever helps you show up to the meetings, do the exercises, practice, right? This is experiential social learning. Whatever helps to carry you through those 12 weeks, it's worth it. Because that skill is something you can apply to any goal for the rest of your life. It's mm, an excellent point, yes. And so this being a, a 21st century skill, and as you just said, so then whatever you choose is that initial uh, goal um, that you want to focus on, then that can apply to other uh, goals down the road. And and so they may end up being uh, starting as, as a hobby or a personal interest and may become increasingly career-related or not, but... In any case, you're building that that muscle and that skill. And, and um, to, just to build on that point, the the, the key, uh, and this this maybe explains why circles have spread. Even though I'm, I don't I don't market, I don't buy ads. Um, it's because the reason people are doing this is they are intrinsically motivated, right? So the, these steps. There's this small circle of people, no boss tells them what to do, there's no oversight, it is a safe, confidential space. And it, over the 12 weeks, they tap into you know, Dan Pink's drive, right? um, a need for control, competence, or learning something, and connection. And when you tap into that, you don't need a boss to tell you what to do. Like You're doing it yourself. And that, that spark, um, which we often... Uh, put out in the workplace, um, that spark is what companies increasingly want to see in their employees and what gives people a sense of, of vitality um, when they have it. Well, and so you've been talking some about the working out loud circles, and I know you, um, you mentioned that you know it's, it's, it's that peer support group that helps um, uh, each other through a 12-week program. I think what I read last is that they're working out loud circles in over 60 countries um, at this point, maybe more. Um, yeah, that wasn't something I expected, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, so talk a little bit about um, the circles and, and sort of how you're um, supporting them. I know you have a lot of materials that are freely available, for example. Well, when I started uh, in 2016, I published something on the internet that said, because um, I've the way it started, I was coaching individuals. I said, ah, here I am at Deutsche Bank. It's a tough place to work. Um, there are good things and bad things. And I, I kind of stumbled on a way that, uh, that included those five elements. And then I said, well, gee, this is, this is great. Because it, it, instead of playing career roulette, I have more control. Um, I, I enjoy my days better. Can I... Can I teach other people how to do this. And so I started coaching people, um, and sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. Ultimately, I figured if this is going to scale, and I'm not a coach, uh, you'd have to write it down, and it would have to be peer-based. And so I published them in 2015, and then year after year after year, I just kept refining them based on feedback. What happened is one, why they spread, 
is that uh, the first company to embrace it was Bosch in Germany. And the woman there, her name's Katarina Krenz, uh, she used a very early version, which was looking back was terrible. Uh, and she <laughs> liked it, told her friends. Um, eventually they had enough circles in Bosch that they had, they started to collect uh, survey data uh, about whether it was helping them and the company. That convinced their HR management and Bosch kept spreading it. And more importantly, I guess, Bosch told their friends. So Daimler and Siemens and BMW. So if you see a lot of Germans and working out loud, that's how, that's how it started and why. But these are global companies. So then they spread it to their employees. So Bosch alone has about 6,000 people in their working out loud community wow. um, in 50 countries. And then once those people, this is how, I, this is how ideas and behaviors spread through social networks. Once those people experienced it, some of them told their friends, and then it spread to other companies and countries. And so now it's even in 10 languages, uh, just because volunteers said, hey, I'm in, the latest is Russia. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Russia, I'm in Brazil, I'm in China. I want other people here to be able to experience what I experienced. Let me translate the guides, which, again, something I never would have imagined. Well, that's great. Uh, I think it's an amazing testament to, to the how well working out loud can work, that it really is this, this grassroots word of mouth movement there. Um, so we've talked some about barriers, which you said was sort of that the oh, internal... There were, there were more barriers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, about the internal resistance and, and the being often largely in, in someone's head. Um, and, and if you want to bring up other barriers too, but I was going to say, let's, let's look at the converse in terms of kind of what have you learned over the years about what really uh, tends to set the stage for successful working out loud. So these, these things are related um, in terms of what's a barrier and what's an opportunity. So you can imagine that, oh, here's this grassroots movement. We'll, we'll stick with the Bosch example. Here's this grassroots movement. It attracts a certain kind of people. Right. Oh, they're open to new ideas, maybe. Um, they like this kind of thing. And they try it, and they like it, and they tell their friends. Great. At some point, though, there's the other 99% of the company that is busy and that's not ready for this kind of thing. And so they need to be, it needs to be even clearer how this applies to work and how it's going to help them at work. And so what Bosch did... Uh, we've worked together for a long time now, is they modified the materials. So it talked about Bosch. So it wasn't just about LinkedIn and Twitter and the public stuff, right? All the free guides are uh, naturally about public tools. But inside the company, it would talk about, well, here's the Bosch internet and how you use it. Here are examples of Bosch employees who in week six have a profile and so on and so on. And then they use that material, which is now much more, it looks and feels and smells like boss training, right? It's in their boss training academy. And they plugged it into their onboarding process and talent management and culture programs. And it was a, it's simply a way to help employees develop new skills and behaviors, but it doesn't feel like this new thing. It doesn't feel like working out loud isn't the headline. It's, oh, here's a way to help you collaborate and build your network at Bosch. Mm. And so if you're a new joiner, 
you're exposed to a circle and you're put in a circle with some experienced employees. And within your 12 weeks, you know, you have a natural goal, which is I, I want to know more people at my new company, right? Because I don't know anybody. And within your 12 weeks, you've used boss tools and you have a bigger network and you've got some buddies in your circle and you are more connected and more productive in terms of your access to resources than people who've been there for a long time. But you did it in a way that was intrinsically motivated, that didn't feel like training. Uh, you opted into this, and that makes a hell of a difference. Right, and they have that uh, ability to, to set that goal that sort of helps orient them or focus them ar- around those 12 weeks, which also yeah. then I would think Com- would feed compare, into that intrinsic motivation. Compare that with, oh, we have a digital transformation. You will attend the intranet training and you will behave differently. Mm. Like, how well is that working? <laughs> um, so this is, this is a, a different approach, one that is, I won't say viral, but one that lends itself to spreading on its own because, you know, after the, the first few hundred people at Bosch were like heroes, right? They're really outliers. But once you get to a few thousand, people are like, oh, it's in the corporate academy. It's in the program. I've heard about it from friends. I see it on the internet a lot. I see it in a newspaper. I'll try it. And it's like concentric circles. You start to slowly reach bigger and bigger groups of people as working out becomes normalized inside a company. Mm. And so this, I think, feeds into another question I have, which is simply, do you think that working out loud is, is for everyone? You know, would it be a good thing if everyone were working out loud? And, and maybe I'm <laughs> a little too focused on the visible work. I'm thinking this could be, you know, content overload if it's everyone's so contributing. Guess. Like if, if everyone's. So um, it's a good question. And then the answer is yes. Uh, yes, but maybe or yes. And uh-huh. um, so. Is it good if everyone's shouting into the internet? Uh, no. Um, that's noise. What, 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 we, what we help people learn over the 12 weeks is to kind of develop their sense of empathy um, so that what they're offering is truly a contribution to someone. They're not just admitting the exhaust of their daily activities. <laughs> uh-huh. right? Uh, they're saying this, this, throughout the 12 weeks, there's much more reflection and empathy practices of, of very different kinds that says, well, what is it that I have to offer? Again, sometimes very simple, sometimes uh, bigger. And then, well, how would I say it? What would I, what, where would I say it? Uh, and at first you practice in your circle, like, hey, is this weird? I was going to send this guy a note. Like, what would you think, right? So you, you get that kind of feedback in the safe space, but ultimately you practice on your company internet or on the public tools. And you gradually, you're, you're refining your sense of how to communicate better, really. Uh, and I think if more people did that, if more people thoughtfully contributed to the commons, right, whether it's public or, or corporate, if more people thoughtfully contributed in such a way that was respectful of other people's time and how they might receive it, etc., cetera, uh, that would be a fantastic thing. Uh, and it wouldn't just be kind of email nastiness pinging back and forth. It would be uh, constructive sharing of work that mattered, at least to some other people. 
Mm. I think that's a, a great distinction that the 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 real understanding of of why you're sharing it with whom to what end that that makes it uh, much more meaningful versus what could just be noise if you're just kind of contributing everything to everyone or to the wow. or to no one by putting um, it out there. A symbol's a symbol that I've grown to dislike. Um, so a lot of times just people make their slides or t-shirts or whatever they make for working out loud. And the, uh, a common icon will be a megaphone. And that is a terrible icon. <laughs> if you're on a megaphone, you're not listening, mm. right? If you're broadcasting. So in the, in the early weeks of a circle, you're not, you're not dumping stuff on the, the, on the internet. You are searching for people related to your goals and you're paying attention to them. Your gift is attention. Like, who? what are they saying? Um, what did they learn? Who's actually out there? So the, your early steps, um, yes, you're making these small contributions, but you're cultivating a sense of curiosity and how to use a variety of tools to, to, to access people related to your goal. And if you can have that combination in a company, so both the supply of knowledge, yes, I make my work visible in various ways, but also the demand that I'm, I have the habit of whenever I have a problem, I search first. I look for who else has solved this. Where are they? What have they said? What companies, that's like a holy grail for companies that we could tap into what the company knows and people can do it without being told how to do it. Hmm. That's a great point that uh, really is around, again, it gets back to this idea of a 21st century skill, which is going to, of course, help the individual, but also then uh, accrue to the benefit of, of the overall organization. And one of the things that, you know, of course, struck me when I think about our listeners who are all involved in learning is that those, you know, working out loud and the working out loud circles really are built around learning and that those circles are, you know, a structure for uh, peer learning. And so certainly learning business leaders and, and aspiring leaders could use working out loud circles to, uh, you know, as part of their own professional development and perhaps reaching out to others in, in similar organizations and, and forming a circle that way. But I'm curious to get your thoughts too on whether a learning business might be able to include working out loud circles as as part of their own offerings and what they're doing to serve the learners um, that that they are targeting. Uh, so, so your audience is diverse in terms of uh, their role. But uh, the example that comes to mind is uh, the head of learning at uh, Merck, um, company in in Europe. Uh, she's the head of chief learning officer, and so as an individual, yes, you're right. She works out loud because, well. What are other learning officers doing? How would she know that? I mean, she might go to the annual conference, right? Or she could develop this sense of curiosity and a relationship list that's related to that goal and be in contact with those people and that knowledge every day. Um, you could think of it as, as her crafting her own personal learning network, right? That's easily accessible. But what she also does in her role is say, well, here's a way that it's not e-learning, which is just dumping videos on people. It doesn't work terribly well. But it's not classroom learning, which we've had enough of. It is social learning over time that includes a range of elements. So inside companies, they tend not to use the, the guides. They'll use uh, videos so people can watch it on their phone 
They've got personalized, customized journals, so they have, you know, they capture their progress in one place. And then they've got these kind of deep human bonds that form over the 12 weeks. They take circle selfies at the end. They have champagne. Um, they, they don't want to say goodbye, like that kind of thing with strangers or who used to be strangers. So what she's doing is she's incorporating circles into existing programs so that you have a manager community. She'll connect, use it to connect managers across locations and break down silos. You've got new joiners. She'll use it to kind of bridge generations or bridge seniority levels um, while also giving these people a sense of connection kind of from day one. And, and that's, that's, those are the two lenses you could say that a chief learning officer might have. Personally, how she might use it to keep developing and, and keep modernizing, so to speak, keep innovating, but also then to include it in her portfolio of offerings uh, in the Learning Academy that, that, that provides this very human behavioral component in addition to the other kind of more traditional programs. Do you know if she is actually um, putting the learners into a working out loud circle or is she letting them sort of self-select? And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, regardless actually of whether you know what she's doing, you know, what your thoughts might be, because to get back to that, that idea of intrinsic motivation, I'm just wondering, you know, how to, how, how best to perhaps structure it. Yeah. Uh, so her name, by the way, is Laura. She has a name, <laughs> Laura Kresnick um, in Darmstadt. Um, and, uh, what she does is is what all the everybody does, uh, which is you're exactly right to preserve that sense of autonomy. You make it optional, um, and so what we'll do, as an example, I'm, I'm at Daimler in two weeks. We're going to talk to a community of of managers, people who've been through a, a talent management program. There's 2,500 of them in 34 countries. So we're going we're gonna to talk about working out loud, and we're going to give them the opportunity to form a circle using these videos and journals and whatnot. And then they'll choose. So if, if it's like, oh, this isn't for me, or I don't have time for this, I'm busy, um, that's okay. But it's, it's, a, it's an invitation, not an imposition. Mm. Uh, and so, yes, on the one hand, Gee, people are self-selecting to join these things, um, which it's, if I'm a program owner, you're like, hmm, that's not the program I'm used to. I'm used to rolling out a program across a population. But that's not really how change spreads. Like most culture programs, right? just think of those. <laughs> they, just, they go through like, like a tank through the organization, making sure everyone attended the meeting and said the five values. <laughs> but that doesn't change it. So what we do, the approach that we try to um, instill here is you offer this, you, you get a first wave. So we'll get our first hundred people. That's all we're going for in this manager community. And then some number of those people will say, this is great. I want to do it again. Or this is great. They tell their friend. And then we do a second wave and a third wave. And that's how change spreads. We let, we, we change ideas and behaviors naturally spread through social networks. We are just taking advantage of that and making it easy to spread that way as opposed to some kind of programmatic, rigid way that really steps on intrinsic motivation. So that's mm. a great question. Thank mm. you. 
So we're going to begin to wind down here. Um, and just ask, started. I know it does feel like it, <laughs> but um, I'm going to ask you a, a question that we ask of all of our uh, contributors to the leading learning podcast. And it's one that focuses on your own personal learning specifically. And the question is what's been one of the most powerful learning experiences you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your formal education? Uh, the difference, so my, I'm, I'm rather dull. My thing is to read books. And uh, so, yes, there's a lot of learning that way. And it, I, it's enjoyable for me. I explore wide range, etc. It's very passive. So as much as I, I love consuming, it could, be, it could be books, could be master class, it could be TED Talks, pick your thing. But boy, you don't really do anything. <laughs> like you read and you... So I think there's a place for that and it's great and I enjoy it. However, uh, when I've been in a circle, um, it's, it's that sense, that, that combination of structure, shared accountability and support in a psychologically safe space. Like that's been the most powerful thing that got me to, to act and that that's what that's what gave me uh that's what even allowed me to think about not working at a big company for the rest of my life which i assumed i would do um that's what allows me to to do things that i'm not comfortable doing whether it's giving a talk on stage or doing a podcast with you <laughs> um so i I'd say it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a working out loud circle. Like this, what I'm doing isn't, isn't terribly new. All of these elements are out there in some way, shape, or form. But uh, the most powerful learning experience for me has been when I'm in this safe, confidential space and I can tap into, those, tap into my drive, this, this sense of control, competence, and connection. And, man, I, you, you feel different you change and it's a it's a super empowering feeling that that enables you to do things you just wouldn't do if you just read books hmm. yeah it's the uh the, the beginning of, of applying that uh what, what you're all the knowledge and wisdom you're garnering from from some of those more passive experiences so the final question is just if learners excuse me, if listeners want to know more about you and, and your work or connect with you, um, where would you have them go? Well, they could certainly go to the website, workingoutloud.com, uh, which has, uh, if you just, oh, I'm curious, what's it look like? Uh, then there are uh, the free guides are there. Um, there's also other things that are for sale, but the free guides would certainly give you what you need to start a circle. Um, and then there's also... Uh, information on what, what other companies do and how they might do it. But if that's not enough, all my contact information is there. Um, people in circles, you know, sparks of joy every day or when somebody, some set of strangers in a circle, either on the internet or via email says, hey, I'm in a circle and this is what's happening. And uh, that has absolutely made my world bigger and better. Um, one of the circles I don't think I'll ever forget is a woman at Microsoft in Romania, uh, independent uh, contractor in Switzerland, somebody at American Yemen, uh, two women in Germany, all in a circle. Mm. Like they didn't know each other, they just came together. And I'm like, wow, if, 
if we could do more of that on the planet, that would be great. And the fact that I was able to have this exchange with them was terrific. So workingoutloud.com has information, but also my email and other contact. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Well, that's great. We'll make sure to get that link into the show notes. And I do highly recommend the site. It's uh, an amazing wealth of of resources and information that you've um, made available about Working Out Loud. John, thank you very much for your time. It's really nice to talk to you. I hope we do it again. That concludes the conversation with John Stepper. To get show notes, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 216. And the show notes will, of course, include the reflection question, which is, Are there working out loud elements or techniques that might help you activate your learners' intrinsic motivation? How might you make your educational offerings feel more like an invitation rather than an imposition, both at the point of enrollment and throughout the learning experience? When you check out the show notes, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, Jeff and I would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us to get some data on the impact of what we're doing. And we'd be grateful if you take just a minute to give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple. That'll put you in the right place. So Lisa and I personally appreciate your rating and review. And those reviews and ratings help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. We'd also be grateful if you'd check out our sponsor for this quarter. Visit Community Brands at leadinglearning.com slash Community Brands. Finally, please follow us and share the good word about Leading Learning. You can find us on Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter, on Facebook at leadinglearning.com slash Facebook, and on LinkedIn at leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. And we also encourage you to use the hashtag Leading Learning on each of those channels. However you do it, please follow us and please help spread the word about Leading Learning. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.